This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time to put the spotlight on China right now. Yes, indeed. China has reported its first community spread of the Omicron variant ahead of the Winter Olympics. Also making headlines, new Oriental Education and Tech Group conducted the biggest layoffs in China amid a sweeping crackdown on Chinese internet companies. And the Sri Lanka president is seeking China's help to restructure its debt repayment. On the line to help us out with these headlines is Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow at Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, how are you? Good morning. Good morning and Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year to you too, man. So let's start off with China. And uh, they've got Omicron cases now in the community. So we've seen images of mass testing. Uh, This is in the northern city of Tianjin, the country trying to maintain that zero tolerance approach uh, to COVID-19. But we've got a more transmissible variant now. Yes, indeed. And with only a few weeks to go to the Winter Olympics, I guess the big question is how will this affect preparations for the event. What can China do or learn from the Tokyo Summer Games in order for this event to be held in a very safe and controlled manner? Dr. Oh, what do you think? Well, I think China is uh, continuing with its zero-tolerance uh, policy against uh, the COVID uh, virus uh, and its ensuing uh, pandemic. In Tianjin, I think uh, actually only two cases of Omicron so far, but uh, they are essentially uh, doing a mess or massive uh, testing to, uh, in, for the whole city. I think we're talking about population to, of uh, 12 million. It's not only a small city centre, it's also the outlying areas uh, which, uh, of course, uh, adjoins Beijing. And that is the biggest worry for these uh, officials, obviously, because uh, Beijing, as you all know, will hold the Winter Olympics in, uh, I think it's less than a month from, from now. Well, they will still try to uh, isolate uh, the, the whole games from this sort of spread. But of course, uh, if the Tokyo uh, Summer Olympics uh, were any lesson to, uh, to be learned, you can't really uh, isolate uh, the game from the rest of the population. You could, to the best of your ability, create uh, a certain degree of so-called bubbles uh, for those athletes and foreigners coming into the country. But uh, you essentially have to live with the virus, uh, even if it's a big event such as the Olympics. Mm. Dr. O, what can you share with us with regard to China's development of their own mRNA vaccine? Well, they are forging ahead uh, with, I think, about two types of new uh, mRNA uh, vaccines uh, domestically tested. But, uh, of course, China until today uh, has not approved any uh, foreign uh, mRNA uh, vaccines such as BioNTech uh, and so on. Of course, there are those who say this is to spur China's own mRNA uh, development, but it has a lot of catching up uh, to do because it's not just uh, the vaccine itself. It is also, for example, how you could safely and effectively administer those uh, vaccines. Uh, those uh, so-called uh, technical know-hows, I think, would uh, would still be very wanting in uh, China. And up till now, they have been relying on the more traditional 
variations of vaccines. And uh, of course, now that uh, there's a, a new wave of outbreaks, uh, there are more calls uh, both domestically as well as internationally for China to seriously uh, get a grip on uh, either developing its uh, own mRNA or approving these foreign mRNA uh, vaccines as soon as possible. You did say that the technical know-how for developing its own mRNA vaccine is lacking. Why do you think China is remaining so stubborn in light of the growing outbreak of Omicron? Well, uh, I I don't think they're stubborn as much as uh, there's a lot of catching up to do because they've been relying, as I said, on the more traditional variant, so-called inactivated uh, virus type of uh, of, uh, vaccine. And, uh, well, mRNA is a high technology. It would take uh, a number of years uh, to to develop. There there have been a lot of research uh, in the United States and also in Europe on mRNA technology, but uh, unfortunately it was not so in China over the past uh, many years. Yeah. Uh, Doctor, just one more question on, on this mRNA issue. And this is a bit of an opinion question. Is there is there some kind of political pressure because they could easily work with companies like Pfizer, for example, to get that technology? There's also the issue of when you want to host worldwide events and everyone around the world has got mRNA vaccine, they've got the Sinovac traditional kind. Is there a, a pressure to sort of be aligned with the rest of the globe? Well, there is, uh, but there's also equally the the, the pressure for China to, uh, even if they want to, uh, have some sort of mRNA vaccines uh, to produce uh, their own mm-hmm. instead of uh, wholesale importing foreign okay. produced ones. Yeah. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Let's move on to the wide-ranging crackdown that we have seen in China on private enterprises. Uh, This started more than a year ago. And more recently, we've seen new Oriental Education and Tech Group fire tens of thousands of employees. One of the biggest layoffs uh, since the policy was introduced some time ago. Tell us more about what you think will happen in terms of ripple effects of such developments on the Chinese economy. But to be even more specific, this was a crackdown, I think, uh, towards the middle of last year on those uh, private uh, tuition uh, centers such as uh, New Oriental Group, uh, which was uh, very famous for teaching the English as well as other foreign languages. Of course, then New Oriental uh, would, would uh, see its uh, profits uh, plummet uh, significantly. According to uh, one of its founders, uh, profit has plummeted, I think, around 80% uh, percent over since then. And uh, they have to uh, lay, lay off, I think, around 60,000 uh, employees. But the, the group itself, I think they are also trying to diversify into, uh, for example, online sales of various uh, products and services and so on. And I think similarly, uh, these employees, uh, they would have to uh, move on to uh, greener pastures, uh, such as, for example, because of their um, language skills, uh, working for uh, foreign companies, uh, for working for companies uh, which are involved in uh, trading with foreign countries, for example. 
Dr. Oh, last weekend, Sri Lanka's president asked China to help restructure debt repayments, all those part of efforts to help the South Asian country weather a worsening financial crisis. Uh, what can you share with us with regard to this uh, debt repayment sort of structure? What do you know about it? Well, the debt repayments uh, structure is so far still very uh, sketchy because what we uh, have is uh, basically a statement from the president's office of uh, Sri Lanka. Mm. But it, it would appear that one reason Sri Lanka could not repay its uh, loan of up to $5 billion US dollars to China was because uh, they have a shortage of uh, foreign currency, especially okay. US uh, dollars. So according to that statement, they are asking for China to uh, extend so-called concessional uh, terms uh, mm. when China is exporting goods to Sri Lanka. I think that would mean, for example, they, uh, they, they hope that China would not demand Sri Lanka to repay them in uh, U.S. dollars, but perhaps with some of these uh, many natural resources such as tea, which uh, Sri Lanka could, uh, could produce here. Yeah. Of course, some analysts are putting it very bluntly. They're saying that the proposal is a sign of a debt trap, which uh, countries, including the US, have warned about. What's your perspective on this? Well, Sri Lanka, in a sense, has been touted as a poster child for China's uh, alleged uh, debt trap diplomacy. Of course, sometimes you need to take a risk, uh, both for the debtor and the debtee. For a lending nation like China, the, if you lend to a developing country, there's a high chance uh, that uh, sometimes uh, those loans could not be uh, repaid. If you are developing countries looking for loans from some of the more developed countries, then uh, you have to make sure those uh, loans being used properly for development and not sometimes very often uh, disappear into the pockets of some officials, for example. So there's this uh, huge uh, interplay between the two sides. Uh, and in Sri Lanka's uh, case, I think at some point they, they, they felt that uh, some of the development projects uh, may not actually be uh, fruitful and, and so on. And that's why it gave rise to this uh, so-called debt trap uh, diplomacy allegations here. We've been speaking with Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Yeah? Thank you. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.